Hello and welcome to Whitlet, the funny books podcast. I'm Lily Linden, I'm an editor at Vintage Books and each episode I talk to authors, publishers or comedians about their favourite witty literature. Today I'm delighted to have someone who is a combination of all of the above. Cueve McDonnell is a former stand-up comedian who is now publishing his 10th novel. He's also just a really nice man, as I hope you can hear from this. We talk about whether his new novel, The Stranger Times, is a comic crime novel, about stand-up life versus novelist life, and about how to write weird fictional news in a year full of weird factual news. So here we go. My name is Cueve McDonald. I'm also known as CK McDonald, which we will come on to later on, I'm sure. Um, basically, my history is uh, I am obviously Irish, if you haven't spotted that already. Uh, I was a stand-up comedian and a writer for TV in both kids and, and sort of big mainstream telly shows. Uh, I started stand-up in 2001. Uh, I retired a couple of years ago now. Uh, and um, since then, I've, I've, I've basically published my first book about four and a half years ago. And, and that sort of took off and then uh, everything else went by the wayside. Mm. So as, as my one of my friends says, the greatest piece of comedic timing of my entire career was I was the bloke who retired from stand up just before a pandemic when everybody <laughs> unfortunately could no longer do stand up. So, um, yeah, that's me. You made the right choice there, it feels like. Yeah, it, I'll be honest, in all, in all seriousness, I do a bit of survivor's guilt where you sort of go, everyone else kind of, all these, the, the, the carpet went from under them and I'd already sort of got off the boat. I'm like the person who got off the boat to go back on the Titanic and everyone <laughs> else. It's like I was the bloke just leaving going, by the way, it looks like there's something coming towards us. Oh, it'll be fine. OK, Grant. What what caused the transition? Well, it's, it's weird because I sort of, I'd always been a writer for TV. I'd always had like sitcom scripts optioned and stuff. I mean, God, over the years, I've probably had about, I think it's, it's yeah, I think I figured out once that it is over 10 sitcoms optioned by various different companies and stuff, all of which to greater or lesser degrees didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, which is people will know if, if you're writing for TV, which I'm sure quite yeah. a few people listen to this are, it is a very tough gig where you're sending stuff out and you hear nothing for a year and it doesn't come back. So um yeah. and the book thing i'll be honest i honestly can recall really really clearly thinking about someone saying about writing a book and thinking oh god no they're massive i mean look how many words and the, <laughs> the amount of pages and it's all got to be spelled correctly and, and no they just genuinely sent, felt enormous to me and i spent mm. i mean a, a decade most of the books i read honestly were script books even behind me in my office here you can see they're mostly script books yeah and i did a lot of time reading scripts because i was i was very focused on writing scripts and then um, a few years ago, I had an idea for um, a kind of conventional thriller that I started trying to write. And then I sort of quickly ran out of steam as I only the first time you tried to write a book, you probably a lot of people have the same experience. Yeah. So I ended up going to do a master's in MMU because I live in Manchester and it was just the road for me. And I thought I'll do that. Mm. Didn't finish it, but it gave me an, basically we did in there the workshops where you brought in your work and you read it to people and stuff. And those are great. And I always say to anyone that that's the most important thing you can do if you're trying to get into writing. And I just sort of enjoyed that. And then things kind of, and I ended up, the first book I wrote, I ended up doing, it came out of a, a short story idea that just expanded dramatically. And I kind of ran with it. And mm. um, and it just sort of happened that way. And then the biggest thing you learn from writing your first book, I honestly think is you learn you can write a book. Mm. And the level of confidence, like even in my first book, I was sending people pages to read all the time. Um, whereas in my second book, I had the confidence to go, I'm going to finish this and then I'll give it to people. Because mm. I, I kind of know I can I can do the basic process now. 
obviously as a stand-up you get instant feedback uh if if something works they laugh <laughs> if it doesn't they don't and yeah. so i'm interested that um you sent pages out to people do you think that that was a kind of that you felt like oh, i need to know whether whether people would laugh or was it for sort of different reasons yeah, what's what's laugh? We just sort of always is this is this all right? Is this any good? Mm. I think we all sort of have a lack of confidence, particularly again when you're writing your first book. So, mm. and yeah, as a stand up, you do stand up sort of gives you good and bad habits as a writer that I think you have to <laughs> you kind of have to identify when you go through. Um, and at it, stand up, I think stand up definitely gives you. It's important to to finish chapters on a. I think there's some mm. most you can see that when you see professional writers, they finish chapters really well. It's mm. a really weird thing, but you know, when people really get the zoom and that you got to turn the page and you, you've you mm. got to get that nice snappy finish. I think in stand up probably teaches you that because you get there's a rhythm to these things. Yeah, so you, you pick up certain things like that. So I think but at the other side with stand up, probably the bad habit you have is that um, you probably when comedy is the thing that you, you do, you're it's probably it's your solution to every problem if you're not careful you have to be careful when you're you know and that can you know it can be great for certain things but in other points it can really take a book off course yeah I think there is nothing worse than reading a book that's supposed to be funny and all that and you think the last two pages were just to get us to this gag <laughs> and i always i just think that's not acceptable because that feels like you're compromising the story for the sake of trying to get so i honestly Honestly, and people always get annoyed with this as an answer, which I'm afraid would annoy you as well. People always ask, how do you write funny and all that? Honestly, I don't. I, I, I write the story. I block out where things are. Yeah. And then my brain is just programmed a certain way that I can't really like you put me in a social situation. I will say something inappropriate because <laughs> I, you know, my brain is just programmed to go down certain things and take it not angles. So yeah. how it's how I get from A to B is is it, it's funny. So I, I always say this thing that I don't believe comedy in, is, is a like funny book. So whatever comedy, call it what you want, is mm. a genre. I'm really strongly believe it is a style and yeah. the style is how you tell the story. And if you're just trying to write funny, I think you're doing it wrong yeah yeah oh amen i i completely agree and and it's interesting because you know your your books ha have been described as you know a, a comic comic crime novels uh, or at least it is on my press release and uh, i suppose i wanted to if you had to put this book on a shelf uh, uh, genre wise i've written like is it nine nine books now as queeve mcdonald which are kind of much more crime that started in ireland it's since gone to america but those books are generally in the sort of crime genre that's it's following yeah. people investigating stuff more or less i mean it has to be said i i've sort of wandered off a little bit where certainly i did some books set in america and those are more thrillers even with the same you know but it's a gray area let's be honest mm. um so yeah, those are kind of kind of crime. But I'll be honest, comedy crime is a yeah. I don't. <laughs> it it sounds bad. It's, <laughs> it's just it grates on my. Do you know what? Honestly, I've said every time someone says it because it always the words comedy crime. It sounds like it involves three clowns with a ladder. They're inexplicably bad at carrying, <laughs> trying to break into a pie factory. Do you know what I, I mean? Know what you it, mean. Doesn't, it doesn't sound like there's the respect for the story. It doesn't sound like they're genuinely thrilling. And and like, I mean, my work is I'd like to think what well, people have sort of said, and I like to think what I, is uh, character is the big thing. And I, yeah. where if you like the characters, um, I firmly believe for all the crime books that are with the twistiest twist you'll ever see, twisty, twisty coming twist. <laughs> I, know, 
we all know publishers put that on everything and we all know <laughs> guilty. And clearly, clearly it works let's be clear like I'm not, <laughs> but i i always find that I, I don't that doesn't appeal to me because i'm always like i'd rather if i enjoy the characters I, I believe readers will follow characters to see what happens to them yeah. rather than what happens in the story if you know yeah. what i mean particularly yeah. over a series um so yeah those books probably were kind of crime with a, with yeah. a comedic edge a uh, darkly comic crime i think is, is the one the phrase my wife refers to use which i do think is probably sounds a little cooler at least yeah um, very cool and then the stranger times is, is quite different because it has the strong paranormal element obviously which we'll get on to so i guess but again it's i mean there is investigations in it there are policemen in it come to think of it um so it does kind of fit in that area but i think <laughs> It always feels like if I was at the Har- like I've go to the Harrogate Festival every year because it's a, it's a, it's frankly a, a wonderful piss up. Um, <laughs> but I always feel like I'm never quite in the mainstream of it. I always feel like I'm off to the side of it. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. and now I've got paranormal crime. I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to be in another weird little conversation on the other side at some point <laughs> as well. You're in your own little tent. Yeah, I think I basically I'll set up my own. I'll bring my own little tent, put a big clown on the outside, and sort of go. This is uh, <laughs> the fringe of the fringe, as it were. <laughs> Well, the Stranger Times is a, it's, I guess you call it a paranormal uh, thriller with a comedic element, something like that. I can't Very remember nice. the, the exact thing we put on press releases, but those words are definitely in there somewhere. It's, it's set around a newspaper in Manchester, which is my adopted hometown, which I love dearly. And, and basically the idea is this is a newspaper that reports the weird and wonderful from around the world. People know the 14 times. That's not a bad touchstone for it. This is kind of like the tabloid uh, cousin no one talks about of the 14 times. <laughs> and, and basically we follow a lady called Hannah who's, whose life has just fallen apart for various reasons. And we follow her when she gets a job there. And then very quickly in her first week, the staff of the Stranger Times discovered that some of the stories they are reporting may not be, uh, shall we say, quite as ridiculous as they may have previously thought. Very good. I Thank feel you. like that counts as an elevator pitch. You could have put me that... between floor one and three. Oh, good, because I've never managed one of those before. And God, <laughs> even, they would say, if everyone elevated with Steven Spielberg, and I thought, I remember people explaining that and I went, I bet you Steven Spielberg spends a lot of money to have a very flat office or else <laughs> he just takes the stairs because this must get really old for the poor man. I don't, I don't think I'd know what he looks like. But I know if I don't talk to people in lifts. If lifts ever become a thing again, just walk in next time and don't turn around. Just look <laughs> at the person directly in front of you and start talking about your book and see how long it is before they're like sneaking by you trying to hit the emergency buttons. <laughs> Would you like to read uh, a little extract? Basically, I will do uh, a sort of brief chapter where Vincent Bancroft is the editor of The Stranger Times and he is frankly a, a quite an ogre figure which is usually fun to write. He's just horrible to everybody, which I'll be honest, as a writer, is glorious. Because, you know, we all go through life hopefully being nice people, as we should be, but just being horrible to people in your writing it down, there is a glorious little part of you, your little polite soul that goes, oh, I love doing this. Um, so that's Vincent, and this is a description of him when Hannah first meets him. Uh, so we'll, we'll do this first. So mm, here we lovely. go. Once in position... She got her first proper look at Vincent Bancroft. Under the destroyed bird's nest of hair sat grey-green bloodshot eyes and a face of pale, unshaven skin. He wore a suit that a charity shop would politely thank you for donating and then burn as soon as you'd walked out the door. <laughs> he was probably somewhere in his forties, but the generally unhealthy air of the man threw off Hannah's readings. He somehow managed to look both fat and skinny. <laughs> his face had a hangdog air to it, although that might be explained in part by the chewy piece of prehistoric pizza he was grimly masticating. In short, he looked like his own corpse waiting to happen. 
So that's uh, Vincent. I read that because genuinely my agent uh, was one of the few lines he actually picked out when I love that line, his own corpse waiting to happen is apparently my agent's favorite thing I've ever written. So <laughs> when you ask yourself, and then just throughout the book to explain to people because it's in a newspaper um, to give a feel of the newspaper, uh, there are articles sprinkled throughout the book, uh, which if you want to see them, by the way, strangertimes.co.uk is the website, which I've done, which is kind of a copy of the paper. Um, so this is what the first one that actually appears, which is Dawkins is God. A church has been performed in Lancaster based on the premise that well-known atheist Richard Dawkins is really the son of God. High priestess and part-time mobile well, hairstylist honest, comedy Veronica crime is a, 41 yeah. says it makes perfect sense. It, it sounds Revelations bad. clearly says that <laughs> only 144,000 people can fit into heaven. And the divine Richard is doing everything in his power to get the numbers of true believers down to prevent overcrowding. So good. So there you go. So there is a flavour. So nice, a very lovely flavour, and um, I I really enjoyed those bits, and I want I wondered how it felt writing them. We sort of did them as separate things because they're 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 quite hard to write, to be honest. Uh, and yeah. to be honest, they were always quite hard to write, and honestly, then twenty twenty happened. Yeah. And then literally, weird news now is really hard to write because it feels <laughs> like the world jumped the shark. Um, I mean, as it, like the, literally as we record this today. There was a newspaper article that I think it was Denmark, I don't know if you saw this, now have a kids cartoon show with a man with a large out of control penis. That is a kids, and I wrote kids TV for a long time. (laughs) And even I was going, this can't be real. They're really hard to write in the sense that you've got to get the tone right because you don't want someone believing it, you know, because you've got to be (laughs) careful about it. You don't want someone because you will get a bit of that. But at the same time, it's got to seem like funny, but kind of in that area. And I'm a big fan of the 14 times and all that weird news always have been. So, yeah, it is. It's kind of those things where you've got to find the funny idea uh, we actually made the newspaper up. And basically we sent out the newspaper to all the sort of publishers and, and TV mm. companies and stuff. And that was the first thing they saw. Um, and it's amazing how that was like that got so much interest. Like, to be, So it is one of those things where if you are pitching a book, if you can come up with, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, keep, keep don't send people knives. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> you got to be watching what you're sending to the post. But it's one of those things that if you can actually, interestingly enough, it's a different thing to do. Yeah. So yeah, I'd actually created the newspaper before we 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 we'd sent out the book manuscript to people and stuff. So it's a kind of odd um part of the journey, I guess. I think I, I feel genuinely sorry for bloggers and reviewers because like <laughs> they're getting books pushed to them, and you go, it's like man or woman has written book, and you're like, oh, wonderful, that's a new thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not happened for 15 seconds. <laughs> character is maybe most important for you. Absolutely. But yeah. Does character come first as well? Or was it more kind of a premise or an idea or I always have boards with like cards and stuff. And I know you, you can do it on the lap, but I, I like physically doing it. And I like sitting there staring at it and I have them color coded <laughs> and everything. Because I write multiple points of view and stuff. So was any anyone has ever written that kind of thing is you do have to make sure you're you're keeping all the space, plates spinning, as it were. Yeah. So I, I think certainly I had elements, because weirdly with this, by the way, um, I actually wrote effectively what was The Stranger Times, the first few chapters of it as a sitcom, um, about 10 or 15 years ago. I actually wrote it, my agent, sent it to my agent at the time, and, and I think she just didn't really get it. And it never went anywhere. I can't remember if we even got sent to anybody. I don't even have a copy of it anymore. It might be wandering around somewhere in somebody's uh, possible... <laughs> possible junk email folder but yeah I, and it is one of these things where um thinking back i know like the for example you say character i had vince like the sort of character of the editor 
being that kind of horrible guy I had mm. that was very early doors. And mm. I like the idea of someone very kind of the backstory of Hannah, the, the woman coming in after she basically is, is rebooting her life after a quite terrible series of events after having a husband who was a bit of a nightmare and all that. That element was definitely there. I think that was always in my head. And when I came mm. back to decide to make it into a book, I think that was it. So I think character was always there. And I knew I had them. And then I sort of had them. I had the premise. I started thinking it through. And then sort of other characters fall into place as you're going. And a lot of the time, sometimes you, you'll start writing somebody and you'll I'll figure out what they're like as I'm writing them. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll read it back and go, oh, I'm kind of getting a feel for them now. Like, it's just my head just sort of runs away and I just sort of let it go off. But I think character does definitely drive the whole thing for me. You know, there's always that thing they say as a writer, if you could like look at any sitcom, if someone can pick a line out and say it to you and you can come back with who said the line, yeah. then you know, because why it's funny is because of who it came from as opposed to just the words themselves. How different is it for you having a narrator? Like when you've got that opportunity to be in different bodies at once, compared to in a sitcom usually you can only write in the voices of of, of the characters and in stand-up you have a persona yeah, you're, you're dead right when you're saying like i was telling stories in the first person for example is, is is you know stand up you don't you can't say he said and she said obviously and and um i really enjoy that because i think um i write with multiple pov povs when mm. people you know, skip. and i think that is kind of almost a cinematic style where mm. i always find first person stuff I've done some short stories in it and it's great mm. for certain things but I always think the problem with it in a book I mean you know they're obviously brilliant books written in first person to be clear but is you you kind of have to follow that person whereas I like multiple POVs the, the joy of that which you put couldn't do in stand-up you can do in, in sitcom stuff is you're, you're cutting between people yeah yeah and I think that dynamic is is fantastic so I mean there are there's, there's differences in strengths I mean I think what I learned from writing all those sitcom scripts um, and where do people always say about, you know, learning from what you did in the past and all this? And only recently, when it comes to writing books, do I now feel that every script I wrote, every piece mm. of stand up I did now has actually helped me. Whereas before mm. you would have thought maybe it was a waste. And like I learned dialogue from um, doing doing scripts because that's 95 percent of a script is dialogue bouncing yeah. off each other. I feel like it moves things forward and it just gives good dynamism to everything stand-up obviously taught me different things um as yeah. well and it's it's the combination of all those things coming together and i think novels in that way allow you to combine all of those things um in a, in a wonderful effect to the point where like i've been asked about writing scripts again you know because i'm lucky enough where the bunny books have been opposite for tv and so has the stranger times um and in both cases i went i don't really want to write the script let someone else do that i'm mm. gonna write, write the books which I'll be, it's one of those things where if, if you told me that from like <laughs> four years ago I would be stunned because like getting a script for T writing scripts for TV that was going to be taken seriously was the dream. And like, you yeah. know, and now I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do the book and then you do the script. Well, I'm still involved. I'll be a consultant. I'll come in and, and talk about them. But weirdly I've now, I like doing the book because scripts are essentially raw materials, really. Mm. Um, mm. You give them to them and you know, as, as, as they should be. And it's a, it's a very collaborative process TV. And when it goes badly, there's a lot of ways it can go badly. Mm. And when it goes mm. well, it's because everybody got it in sync. Um, whereas books exist in their own right. And mm. I know people try and interpret them different ways and that's fine, but it does feel like you're, com you're giving a very complete thing. And just as an author now, I find that so much more fulfilling. That's so interesting. Has the kind of editorial and like publishing process 
that you that you feel sort of in control of the whole. But you hear these horror stories, people sort of go, oh, they'll take it away from you. And you, you want to, and honestly, I can honestly say hand on heart, um, my experience with traditional publishing has been wonderful. My editor, Simon, I think if you're with the right, Simon with anything, if you're, if you're working with the right people and Simon has an enthusiasm for the work and that came across really early, which was great. Mm. And, and he made suggestions. We have changed things, but it was very much, what do you think of this? And I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. You know, and I, I, it was one of these things where you can have a chat about it and we both came to an understanding and what we wanted to do. There was never any kind of awkward, oh, I'd really like you to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna. Um, and honestly, all the way, so that's all the way through, it does still feel very much um, like mine. And, you know, I'm sure other people have maybe have a bad experience, but honestly, I still, it feels very much like it's me with all those people have, have made it better, which is exactly what you want. Having, you know, even working yeah. with the cover designers and stuff have been great. And it's, you know, it is weird because you got less control and, you know, because like literally I, my other books, we decide where everything goes and what the covers mm. look like and all that. But they, it's been such a lovely process working with really good people. And even with stuff like that, like outside of it, uh, as well as the the sort of website, which we did myself and my, my wife did up and with help with a couple of friends. I've also done a podcast where, my I did short stories basically because 2020 I was supposed to go a lot of places and didn't yeah um, yeah as, as I'm sure most people have had a similar <laughs> experience um so I ended up writing a lot of short stories just as a yeah. kind of break and um and I even said to the publishers look I'm gonna I've written these short stories I'm gonna give them away um can you put a thing in the back of the book and they went yeah that's fine but you know we negotiated through explain why it was doing it and then I actually said actually do you know what I've written so many of these I'm gonna get friends of mine to narrate them mm-hmm. and we're gonna make it into mm-hmm. a podcast and all the way along, they were like, they were honestly like, great, brilliant. If that's what you want to do, yeah, you you far away, and and they've been really encouraging of it. And it's it's been um, the Stranger Times has kind of become a much bigger thing in the sense that there's now so much around it with the short stories and all that. Yeah. And it's it's great because you feel like there's a whole world there as a writer. That's quite exciting, I think. Yeah, and it, I mean, it makes me think of this world, you know. Well, well, thank you very much. I mean, I I would, I would <laughs> never as dare. As as I can give, obviously. Yes, uh, I would never dare to make that comparison <laughs> myself. But yeah, it is that lovely thing with Discworld where, where um, and I'm a massive Terry Pratchett fan, which not to spoil the, the question you've got later coming up. I'm going to be A. But yeah, I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan. And um, like, that's, even when you when you said about pick out your favourite book, and I was like, oh, every time this comes up, I just have to sit there with a short list of Terry Pratchett Discworld novels and pick <laughs> it's like trying to pick your favourite child. I know. Um, for my money, the greatest example ever of somebody creating a whole incredible world for yeah. someone to live in and enjoy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little bit, just starting to do a little bit of that in its own small way has been wonderful as a writer. And it really feels like it's developed my writing as well, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. Yeah, that's so fun. So tell me, what um, what book would you recommend? Well, uh, funnily <laughs> enough, um, I've picked after much debate, Nightwatch. Amazing. Uh, by Terry Pratchett, um, now not a major TV series. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's there's a there's a discussion you can really oh, get yeah. some people angry about. And I think Nightwatch particularly is brilliant because it, I think it's him at the height of his powers and they mm. were mm. considerable. Where it again, like I was saying, it, it has this story that's driving things true through and it's a very dramatic story. He's you know, he goes this one where he goes back in time and he, he meets younger self and all that sort of thing. And the brilliance of Terry Pratchett was always that he does actually talk about big things about life, but they can be in in a couple of sentences. And then there's a funny pun and there's a like, you know, 
in a paragraph, he's doing more than most people managing a career. Like it's and, and you're like yeah. and it sort of washes over you as brilliant. So then you read it again and you just pick out these little nuggets more and more. Um, and so Night Watch is obviously it's brilliantly funny, but most of Terry Pratchett's books are brilliantly funny. But I think what makes Night Watch for me um sort of stand out and again i might change my mind tomorrow if you ask me which is my favorite <laughs> project book but i just remember the story being he's gonna have a son and all that if you remember the thing it just deals with mm, mm. a man at certain points of his life looking back at his younger self and i will put it beside anybody's book and say it says as much about the human condition as all the booker prize winners you can point at i will stand I will, I will, I will happily get behind that barricade and defend Nightwatch as being equal, if not surpassing, every single one of those books. Amen. Oh, um, it's made me want to go back to my shelf just behind me, which has got uh, a, a Pratchett. It has got his own shelf. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. Me, me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've ended up buying them all, and also I have them all on audiobook because when I was a stand-up doing long drives. Oh, that's such a good shout. It's like three o'clock in the morning when you're driving back from Devon to Manchester or wherever it was just nothing keeps you awake like a Terry Pratchett book <laughs> you just know there's so and like this is when I've already read them and yeah. every other format numerous times but still just it's like the, the, the sort of warm bath but luckily not one that makes you fall asleep otherwise yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be here now how have you found the difference between that kind of gigging life as a stand-up and the life of a novelist I mean, in all practical terms, the travel's a lot nicer. Um, yeah. like, literally, I walk down to the back of the garden where my writing office is now. I love stand-up and more important, I love stand-up comedians. Mm -hmm. Generally, they're some of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. Or ge they're genuinely a lot of fun to hang out with, most of them. I mean, there's some awful. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I won't name names, although I'm retired, I could now. But they're <laughs> generally, they're lovely. Like, And I've been lucky where for the last few years, I was actually not doing clubs. I was... Um, I was lucky enough to support um, Sarah Millican and Gary Delaney on their tours, which is myself and Gary in particular to go back. We were housemates for a decade, so mm. it was just fun hanging out with your mate. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and at the same time, it was great because his tours are getting bigger and bigger. So it's wonderful knowing someone you started off with in the dingy pubs, seeing their career go. And, yeah, and, and, and I, re I retired um, in a wonderful club called The Stand in Edinburgh, in Glasgow, sorry. Um, and my last gig was supporting Gary, which is exactly as it should have been because he oh, weakened. I mean, and I loved stand up um, and doing it is an incredible thing to see stand up done well by mm. uh, particularly. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great stand ups, obviously the couple I've named, but also someone like uh, Daniel Kitson, who is the stand up comedian, stand up comedian and mm. even his, his, his theatre shows and stuff. I'm a huge Kitson fan. I even saw the one he did in, in lockdown, which is, I think, available now. If you get a chance, Dan Kitson just does this thing where he goes to theatres and he does a live broadcast from the empty theatre. And he, and he does a show and the show is magnificent it's up everything Kitson has done has been magnificent huge respect for stand-up but honestly I think it's more about me where I, I kind of look I was good as a stand-up I was very lucky and hence I could make a living doing it and I was very happy to be doing it but I didn't think I was ever going to be the greatest you know I, I thought it, there was a level maybe mm. and not that I think I'm gonna be the greatest writer but I think what excited me about writing was I don't feel like I know how far it can go like it's mm. It's sort of I'm on a, a trip to nowhere, and that's exciting when you when you've been in the world where you're writing TV scripts and somebody'd love them, and then you heard nothing for six months, and then it was gone yeah. again. TV writing can be fairly brutal, and like I was keep working away, and I was still banging them, banging them out, and you know I'm working solidly. Whereas now I go down, and honestly, when I go down to my office, I think 
I'm writing this and people are going to read it. Mm, and that mm. is a great gift when you know, and I'm lucky enough now where I have a fan base and people send us emails every day talking about the books and stuff. Yeah. And those, those are amazing. And like my mother was, because I only realized when I was home for Christmas and my wife was explaining to my mother, and she was like, people email you said, oh God, yeah, we get like a, about 10 or 12 emails a day. Um, and my mother actually took the laptop and like, she's not very good, but she was like going through all these things with my wife. And it was like, and she was like, I was just watching the telly and she was sitting there going, there's a woman here in Arkansas who's read all your books and said they've helped. He's read all of them in lockdown. Isn't that amazing? And it goes only when she started reading them out, you go, God, yeah, it is. When you come yeah, to think about it, that's, yeah. just a, that's a cool thing. And it's, and it's been great. And it's one of these things where people have sort of, I've been lucky enough to have a great fan base and they, they kind of, again, it goes back to character where they mm. honestly feel bonded to characters that are in the mm. books. But yeah, so I, I think I, I honestly, I have a huge respect for stand up mm. and I love it to bits and I'm hope I can't wait for the Edinburgh Festival to be back because I'm going to be yeah. up there for two, two weeks watching everybody I know and meeting all my friends and frankly getting quite drunk and having a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> Um, and I love stand ups dearly and it, and it breaks my heart when I see them talking about how rough it is these days. And let's be clear, it is. I mean, they're, people have talked about music and theatre and they're having a horrible time. But so stand up and it does get a bit forgotten, unfortunately, because it doesn't yeah. really have the greatest. It doesn't have the greatest representation and stuff, but hopefully stand up's going to be back. And I can't wait to see so many brilliant people I know doing stand up at the level I know they can, which is going to be great. Is there anything that you were desperate to say and that I have very rudely not given you a chance to uh, put one in that you'd like well, to do now? I, I think you've been incredibly patient about anything. Um, I was <laughs> going to say, obviously, uh, I've got a book coming out. I think that's been fairly obvious. Let's not bog <laughs> that horse too much. But also, if you look up the Stranger Times podcast, um, basically, it's me writing short stories, which I had uh, stand up friends of mine narrate. And they've honestly been the kind of foot. I mean, the book's you know, I love doing the book, but this, this, this sort of short stories in the podcast came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's been a lovely, and honestly, it's one of those things where it's supposed to be six of them. And I think now <laughs> we're, we're at 12, there's probably going to be 15 and then I might have a break and there'll be a second season. So fun. Because they're, they're such a great thing to do, to, to, to do short stories and have people, you know, just knock it out of the park and it's all these different idea. voices. Yeah, just all these different voices doing different things. And I'm now actually, I've got the next bunch of them particularly, I'm now going to write some stories with particular people in mind to oh, read them. Oh, so nice. And there's some wonderful people that I think it's just going to be amazing to have them, you know, just do a story through their voice. So if you get a chance, obviously check that out as well as, you know, I mean, for the love of God, buy the book. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a real delight. And, um, really brightened up my uh, my lockdown evening. So thank well, you very much. Thank you very much. Likewise, it's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to the lovely Queeve McDonald for joining me. Um, it was great fun. Make sure you do check out his brilliant short story podcast, The Stranger Times, and his new novel, The Stranger Times. <laughs> um, thank you also to Tom Hill, um, excellent publicist and another lovely man, for reaching out to arrange this interview. And thank you for listening to Whitlet. If you've made it this far, uh, perhaps you could spend one more cheeky second um, liking and subscribing and whatnot. Um, it would really help me to feel nice about myself. Um, thank you. And I hope you're doing okay. And um, see you later.